Trek Geeks is proud to be brought to you this week by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. They have over 150 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all their pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets. We are Star Trek. This is J.G. Hertzler, General Martok on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. adjudication office of pod fleet command where we review every episode of star trek that ever has ever occurred it's the biggest little show this side of the alpha quadrant your independent star trek podcast greetings everyone and welcome to trek geeks i'm your co-host bill smith now of course the adjudication office that can only mean one thing we're looking at a fan favorite episode one of our continuing series and um it's going to be a lot of fun tonight i guarantee that of course, it will be up until now, at least when I bring in my co-host. He's um, He really could just suck the air out of a room simply just by showing up. He's, well, there it goes, he's an oxygen thief of, of the highest order. He's Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, save some air for the rest of us, would you? Thanks, buddy. I, what's the name of the room we're in? It's the adjudication office, because this week it. we are judging a particular season of a particular show, aren't we? We are. I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I'll just screw it up. You'll make fun of me and people will laugh and post things. So I'm not going to do that. But yes, we are a uh, fan favorite. And, and I think host and co-host or two co-host favorites as well. Uh, it is see it or skip it. It is time to do the seeth or skippeth. And uh, we're going to do it for Deep Space Nine Season 5 as we continue along with this 25th anniversary celebration of our favorite show. And uh, Season five's a big one. I'm not going to lie. Well, you know, last time we were lucky enough to have New York Times bestselling author Dayton Ward to help us with Season 4. Season 4 was a monumental season, and it probably was the highest rated season for both of us so far throughout all of TNG um, one season of TOS and, and the, the only season or, or the 26 episodes of the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, I am looking forward to see what happens with season five because it just takes season four and ups the game a little bit. Dan, joining us for the full hour, we Plus. do have a special guest geek. 
Yes, we do. She is a very special guest geek. She is one of the original Trek geeks, I guess we could call it. Um, she has been uh, involved in promoting our show for the three and a half plus years that we've been doing it. She's on Twitter all the time. She is now a podcaster herself. She is Haley Stoddard, and we can't wait to talk to her about season five because I'm sure she's got some pretty awesome opinions about it as well because it's just a good show. Right, Bill? Uh, absolutely. And of course, uh, Haley is over on Trek FM, the uh, the 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 nine hundred pound gorilla in the Star Trek podcasting space. But it's a friendly gorilla. Um, she's on the Standard Orbit podcast, which is their podcast dedicated to the original series and the adventures of Captain Kirk in either timeline. And uh, it's 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 a fantastic show. She's over there with Ken and Zach, and they make quite the team. And it's one of the podcasts that originally helped inspire the creation of this show. So we're mm-hmm. excited to have her here, buddy. That is awesome. I can't, you know, we're going to, I'm sure we're going to joke about it is, is we've been doing this for how long? And this is the first time that we've had her on Trek Geeks. And I'm sure she's going to give us some, um, some KRAP in Cincinnati about it. I'm sure she's going to give you some of that because you do all the booking of the guests, which I'm sure I'll get a chance to remind you of later. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. (laughs) In the meantime, the other thing you do is tell people how they can get in touch with us. And how might they do that, Mr. Vice President of Guest Relations of Coconut Media Works? Thank you. That's that's very nice. It's a mouthful, and I appreciate it. It is very easy to get in touch with us. Uh, just head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a variety of ways to get in touch with myself, with Bill, or with both of us at the very same time. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message, or you can even click on that big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message with your very own voice using SpeakPipe. And as we like to talk about every week, please don't forget to head on over to Facebook and check out the official Facebook group of Trek Geeks. It's called Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk, bring your Trek picks, and bring your Trek love uh, and join. uh, I think it's almost 1,200 people now over there at Camp Kittimer taking part in the fun every single day. Don't forget, you're going to get the Friday Commute Celebration every Friday with Bill and I doing our weeply, our weepingly weekly lip sync. Uh, I'm weeping right now. I'm, I'm sure you are. Uh, every Friday for our campers uh, to join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a wonderful social media experience and as always we want to thank heather jackie and dan for all the amazing job that they do as admins of the camp but uh bill i gotta say um please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode that was because doctor who was on yesterday it was very bad doctor Who. you were very bad doctor who or it was a very bad doctor no no i was yeah, because I actually watched it for the first time, and I actually rather enjoyed it. So I'm gonna have to check it out. It's a, it's pretty great. Um, you know what else is pretty great? Mm. Um, uh, the fact that uh, we don't really have news this week, um, but um, it was announced that uh, Star Trek Discovery will premiere on January seventeenth, two thousand nineteen. Dan and to us, we might write that date as one seventeen, but did you know the rest of the world writes that date as seventeen? Oh, one. That is cool. Bet it was done on purpose. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was. Now, this is this has led to some speculation as to whether or not the show will air on Thursdays for the entire season. Oh. Um, but it's hard to say. Maybe they just wanted to launch on one seven oh one. 
Yep. Um, and then they'll go back to Sundays. Who knows? But uh, it's very exciting. If anybody hasn't seen the new trailer that's out. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I just watched it again today. And, and I have a sneaking suspicion that some other podcasts that we uh, have something to do with might be talking about it very, very soon. we record this new york comic-con is wrapped and of course our friends at fansets had some amazing pins for the event which you know are also going to be available on their website in addition to the scheduled october releases of both lieutenant kayla detmer and captain danby connor of the iss shenzhou whoa well i already got my detmer pin <laughs> and um i'm Where's pretty mine? sure I don't know. That's not my problem. Um, I'm also pretty sure that I will be getting Captain Danby Connor very soon. But in addition to the aforementioned Captain from the Mirror Universe, um, you're also going to get some great Mirror Insignias to add to your collection very soon because the specials from the Comic-Con in New York, as we like to call it, New York Comic-Con. You like that? Um, the The Mirror Universe logo in gold, the logo in silver, and the logo in copper will all be available on the fansets.com website for only $9.95. So head right on over there and uh, and order them all right now, actually. And um, as a special bonus, some of the con-exclusive Rebellion Mirror Universe insignia are still available. So they're going to be available on the website as well, also for only $9.95. You know, that's pretty amazing. Those Rebel insignias are gorgeous. I mean... You figure that's that's the insignia of the group the Firewolf was leading in Discovery, and mm-hmm. I'm psyched to have that because we didn't get enough time with those characters. That's for sure. I cannot wait to add those to my collection. And Dan, you mentioned special bonus a second ago. Uh, I'm going to double down on that. There's an additional special bonus this week just for Trek Geeks listeners. If you want to receive 15% off of your entire order at fansets.com this week, simply enter the word see it at checkout. That's see it S E E I T all capital letters and no spaces. And this code will be available until midnight on a, on Monday, October 15th, 2018. So please don't delay. You know, Dan fans, 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 and I screw it up. So you're just being right. I know, <laughs> but, uh, unlike, <laughs> unlike me, fansets is pinpoint accuracy and we want to thank our dear friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. So, Bill, we've been doing Trek Geeks for several years now. And um, way back when, we had this guest uh, be one of our first official Trek Geek fans. Um, She is very uh, popular on Twitter and very busy on Twitter. She helps us with Trek Tuesdays and was actually the creator of Trek Tuesday on Camp Kittimer. She's got so many awesome uh, things going now. She's climbing up that podcast ladder. She is the one and only Haley Stoddard, and she is joining us here today for Deep Space Nine Season 5, 
see it or skip it, skip it, skip it, skip it. Hi, Haley. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, um, and she, and as you can tell, she really has a lot to say all the time. So we're glad she's here. <laughs> no, I'm excited to be here, uh, listeners. FYI, it's really early. The sun is just coming up. I'm having my coffee. I even had coffee-flavored yogurt just a minute ago. So I'll be a little more peppy in a minute. Awesome. I was going to say, that's that's absolute dedication. I mean, that's why you're part of Standard Orbit. You know, that's that's why you're here, quite frankly. Yep. Because <laughs> it's, it's early. I was up before the sun. so I, I blame Dan. That's all right. It's always my fault. And I got to say, it's 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 really great, Haley, to have you on here. Finally, as we have talked not on the podcast. Um, yeah, we uh, you've been you've been hoping to get on here for a long time. And I'm finally I'm glad that we were able to finally get you on here. It's Bill's fault. Um, this time, it's not my fault. It's Bill's fault. He said, I don't want to have her on. I'm not having her on. Uh, in- <laughs> incorrect. I think that Michelle Specht has has made it very clear, Dan, that all things are your fault. Yeah, that is true. And is true. we pretty much believe Michelle on these things. And you're the person who books guests for Trek Geek, so it's all on you. Oh. Okay. Anyway, episode one. Haley, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to remind everybody who may be new to see it or skip it, uh, Dan and I essentially do a, a very quick review of each episode of a given se- season of a series. In this case, it's Deep Space Nine season five. And then we usually have somebody to control the chaos, and we figure, well, it shouldn't be us because we can't be trusted. And that's why we have the amazing Haley here to uh, sort of shepherd us through the season and make sure that we don't kill each other. Uh, although it's Deep Space Nine, the odds of that are pretty low, Haley. So luckily, you're not going to have to work too, too hard today. No, this is true. Although, um, yeah, I don't know how much I can rein you two in. I mean, you <laughs> Spent plenty of time together in Vegas, and I think I instigate a lot of things, anyways. So. Mm, good point. Good point. You? Me? No. kind of like, like it's kind of like trying to tame the wind. I get it. Yeah, a little bit. So, uh, so you're welcome to to cho- call on us in any order you choose. You know, you can keep a pattern going. You can decide to go all one way or the other. It, it's completely in your hands from here on in. So, as of right now. You were in charge of Trek Geeks. Congratulations. Ooh, yeah. Boom. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's just dive right into this. All right. So season five, episode one, Apocalypse Rising. Starfleet assigns Cisco to expose the changeling infiltrator in the Klingon Empire. Plot twist. It's not Calron. <laughs> what? <laughs> Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> Uh, Bill, what do you say? Oh my God, it's so rare. I get to go first. This is awesome. Um, uh, well, Haley, thank you very much for sending it my way. Oh my I would God. say that this episode is an absolute see it. This is one of my favorite season premieres of all time in all of Star Trek. It picks up from where season four leaves off in jaw-dropping fashion and really turns things on their ear, as you so indicated just mere moments ago. So, Dan, for me, this one, you have to see. There's just no question, unless you're going to be Dan. Wow. Um, no, I'm going to actually give it a see it um, as the second uh, person to give my thoughts on this episode. Thanks a lot, Haley. You used to be my favorite. Um, I am also going to give this a see it. Absolutely. It is a fantastic episode. Uh, you know, just the thought of our favorite non-Klingons 
in Klingon makeup and garb is enough. I mean, O'Brien and Odo and, of course, Cisco, um, fantastically done. Uh, plus, you get Gowron. Spoiler alert, Haley. Uh, plus, you get a twist at the end. Spoiler alert, Haley. Um, it's just a fun and exciting episode. So glory to you and your house. I think we can see why. Um uh, Haley, it's taken so long to get you on because Dan just wants to give you nothing but crap. I apologize on behalf <laughs> of the ownership of, of Coconut Media Works. Um, well, are, are either of you interested to hear how Camp Kittimer came? Actually, no, Haley, you should go first. I'm sorry. Wow, nice uh, job. It's early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is definitely a see it for me. Um, there's so many great things in this episode and definitely, I mean, gosh, seeing Cisco is a Klingon. He makes a really good Klingon. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Like, and, and it's just great. There's, there's definitely that major plot twist at the end and you're just like, wait, whoa. Yeah. I spoiled that, but I'm pretty sure most people have seen it by now. So really <laughs> there's a plot twist. <laughs> Are you questioning the validity of my plan? Oh, it's so good in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I could, Dan, you could just keep going with the impersonations the whole season long because I, the thing is, I know you have them for this season. That was number one. Might not be the last. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, So getting back to Camp Kittimer. So as you know, the wonderful uh, Debbie Moltisanti, who's one of our our Camp Kittimer members, takes it upon herself to put together a vote in Camp Kittimer and then compiles the results and sends them to Dan and I. And we have them for season five and I'm always fascinated by them. So uh, of the respondents, 92.1% said they would see this episode. The most interesting comment on this, and I don't know how this is quite possibly true, but uh, see once, skip subsequently. Skip it. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, overall, this is one of my favorite rewatches. Yeah, same here. So as usual, Cam Kittimer always surprising in a way, somehow. But uh, I love hearing their take on it, honestly. Huh. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Great. All right. Moving on. All right. Episode two, The Ship. While exploring in the Gamma Quadrant, Cisco, Dax, Worf, and O'Brien see a Jem'Hadar ship crash on a planet's surface. Wow. Dan. That was very Kirkian. I liked I that. I was going to say that. Very, very nice. Shatner-esque. Very, very nice. Yeah. Um, this is an absolute 100% see it for me. This this episode is absolutely fantastic. I love the episode. We really get to see how the crew works under pressure. And this may have the best Cisco yelling scenes of all time uh, when they're all in the, uh, uh, in the hallway and, and Dax decides to try to crack a joke. Bad idea, Dax. Um, and I just love the female Vorta Kalana, and I really would have liked to have seen more of her. I have to totally agree. This is a see it for me. You know, I, in reviewing the season, I found out that season five is one of my favorite seasons because I kept using the phrase all time favorite. This mm. occurs a lot. And for me, this this does occur with, with this particular episode. There is so much meaty conflict and drama in this episode that I don't know how anyone could want to skip it. Even if you just take the relationship between O'Brien and Munez on its own, you know, for what that character, that one-time character means in this episode and how he just totally gets to you, everybody mm-hmm. gets affected by the events of this episode, and it is just fantastic from start to finish, Haley. Oh, I totally agree. It's 
the first time I watched Deep Space Nine all the way through, I, oh, it was amazing. I thought this was one of the better episodes of season five. It's definitely a see it for me. There's so much in this episode that really just, it gets to you. And that Munez, oh my gosh, like that just eats you. Oh, it, it totally does. I mean, because you want that character to make it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want him to get through, if for no other reason than for what it means to O'Brien. Because you can tell that O'Brien doesn't, you know, have that kind of interchange with somebody he doesn't respect or care about. And so by the time, you know, that character dies, it's like, oh, man, not this. Yeah. 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 Anticoagulant weaponry. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It makes sense, though. Yeah. Totally. Especially you know, in its brutality. And it, it really, you know, positions the Jem'Hadar and the Dominion on a different level than any other adversary the Federation has ever faced. So mm-hmm. it might surprise you to learn that in Camp Kittimer, 100% of the respondents said they would see this episode. Nice. Um, yeah. Usually there's one that makes you go, Huh? But they surprised us in the sense that everybody would see this, you know, uh, which is I'm not surprised by, but and I think it's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, that's great. That is Very really cool. awesome. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Looking for Parmach in all the wrong places in season episode three. Worf finds himself attracted to Groka. Quirks. Ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she visits the station, uh, jealous wharf, really? I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, kind of like a, anyway, Three's Company stuff. Bill, what do you think? <laughs> so, you know, I want to sing the theme to Three's Company, but Spotify. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Spotify will kill us, so I can't. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the it, the B-plot with, like, Kate oh, yeah. Miles, it's very Three's Company. <laughs> Come uh, and knock on our door. Anyway. Uh, this one for me is a see it so here i am three in a row which is almost unreal for me i think the thing that's most fun about this episode is the juxtaposition of quark with the klingons this is not ds9's best episode by any measure but it's really fun when armin gets to do something completely different with quark something other than you know uh scoundrelous ferengi bartender um, he really gets to to stretch that character in a way that I think is really worth watching. So for me, it's a see it, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, a very big props to Haley for the Parmach. That was very good. That was, it, was, yeah. it was excellent. Um, I definitely, I, I, well, I shouldn't say definitely. I gave this one a see it, and I originally had put barely next to it, but I took that away. It is a see it. It's like Bill said, it's not one of the greatest episodes. If nothing more, we get to see our old friend Joseph Ruskin as a Klingon again, which I just absolutely love. And this may be his, his last appearance, if I remember correctly. I'll have to go back and check that. Um I grew to really enjoy the Quark Groka story uh, back in season three. So this was enjoyable for me. And I love the contraption that Worf used to have Quark fight the other Klingon. It was kind of like Cyrano de Bergerac, but with technology. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's not the best episode of the season, like I said, but it's good enough for a see it. And oh, yeah, um, Dax and Worf do it. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) Not for them. Not for them. Haley? Yeah, um, just for the um, 
like the Wharf and Jadzia and the Quirk stuff, definitely see it. The weird stuff that's going on with like Miles, Keiko, and Kira, it's just weird. <laughs> uh, like I said, very threes company kind of uh, stuff, but it's a see it for me. So, hey, look at that. We're three for three. I know that's it- unreal at this juncture. It, it's funny. I haven't really given a lot of thought to the B plot, but this is the only time I think that we really get to see Keiko nice <laughs> when she's like welcoming her in, welcoming her in, and stuff like that. It's it's not something we see very often. Now, now, Dan. <laughs> I suspect we're going to talk a lot more about Keiko later. But ah. however, for this particular episode and looking at Camp Kittimer, um, only seventy-eight, well, almost seventy-nine percent mm. of the people said they'd see it. Uh, verbatims are, you know, silly but lots of fun. DS9's version of Cyrano de Bergerac, see it. Um, I prefer Grilka's first appearance, see it. Mm-hmm. And Worf and Jadzia, finally, see it. Of note, there was one person who ranked this episode a, quote, see it. <laughs> I'm guessing they're on the fence. <laughs> could see it or skip it. And uh, that could be a thing now. See it. See I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. We turn that into a farkism. <laughs> or not. Yeah, or not. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on to episode four, nor to the nor the battle to the strong. Bashir has been away at a conference and Jake Sisko has accompanied him, which would be really annoying, to research a profile he is writing about the doctor. Returning in a runabout, they get a distress call from a Federation colony under attack. Um, Dan? I gave this one a see it. I don't have a lot to say about this one other than it's a see it. And we get to see jake dealing firsthand with what war is all about and it really is not pretty and it throws him for an unbelievable loop and i think that scene with the soldier in the crater is just unbelievably powerful and really shows the horrors of war um yeah it's 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 and for the for the whole war arc whether it's klingons or dominion i think this is a definite see it to see what people outside of the federation deal with what's going on in the war and even though i said i didn't have a lot to say i really had a lot to say so bill what do you say well not as much now since you said a whole lot that i absolutely agree with this is a see it and dan i agree with 100% of everything you said and i'm going to i'm going to double down on that a little bit to say this is the toughest stuff they give Ciroc in the entire run of Deep Space Nine. Mm. He has to show more range and more emotion and and react to more things than he's ever had to as Jake Sisko aboard the station. He gets a taste of what you know real war is like. He says he wanted to see it, and I think afterwards he realizes he never should have. Um, I know some people who don't like this episode, and I, I guess I understand on some level, but I think it's important in the development of Jake Sisko hands down. That's mm-hmm. an absolute see it. Haley, over to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one is a see it for me. The only part is I don't like that, you know, this happens because Jake insisted that they go. Mm. Dr. Bashir did not want to take him. But at the same time, it's really great for the growth that Jake has. I mean, he's not protected by his dad. And I think at some point, kids have to learn that there are horrors out there and you can't as a parent constantly protect them from everything. Otherwise they grow up thinking that those things don't happen or could never happen to them. And it's, it's very, very powerful for him and the effects. Luckily we kind of see it in the next episode that, you know, he's still kind of struggling with it and it's really powerful. Definitely. Nice. See it. 
Yeah, I appreciate the fact that, you know, unlike a lot of Star Trek, it, it doesn't develop amnesia. You know, this this informs Jake going forward, and I think that's really important. Right. Looking at Camp Kittimer, uh, 89.5% of people responding said that they would see it. Um, some people said it was a must-see. Uh, one person had said it was both a see-it and a skip-it, um, so perhaps another see-it-it in that sense. Another person was depends on my mood. I can understand that because I think it's an oh, episode yeah. you really have to uh, be in the mood for on some level. Uh, you can't just fire this up and go, oh, I'm going to watch Nor the Battle of the Strong today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't see that happening with this one. So yep. uh, 89 and a half. Sounds about right. That works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <sighs> the assignment. <laughs> Keiko returns from a journey and informs O'Brien that she is really an entity that has taken possession of his wife's body. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wife's body. <laughs> Bill. Haley. What um, say you? Oh, I'm going to say see it, actually. I know a lot of people who hate this episode, and I think it's because people generally, by and large, don't like the character of Keiko. But I think that Keiko is the only character for which this episode works as far as being compromised. And, well, I mean, O'Brien has to suffer at some point this season, right? <laughs> so uh, for me, this works. Um, it's a little tropey. Yeah, I get it. Somebody gets taken over and there's an influence and somebody has to do what they're not supposed to do. But I actually think th this episode is better than a lot of those other ones. So, Dan, for me, it's a see it. Yeah, uh, we talked about Keiko just a few minutes ago. This is a definite see it for me. I love this episode. It's it's the perfect Keiko episode because let's face it, not a lot of people like the Keiko character and how she is in, in especially like season one of the show. Um, so she gets to play a completely evil biatch in this episode. And I think it works perfectly. It flows. It's great. Um, in all seriousness, we actually have a story that Rosalind can actually do more than just complain about being on the station. And it really works. It's unfortunate that it works because she's so evil, but it's about time that the writers gave uh, Rosalind something that she could actually do in this episode that means something. So I loved it. I gave it a see it. Haley? It's a skip it. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not that I don't like Keiko. Um, I'm one of those people who I'm okay with Keiko. You know, she doesn't bother me at all. You know, she's not Starfleet. Right. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that. But this episode for me, this is where she is annoying for me. <laughs> and it's just a no. She, she's I'm going to skip it. She's not Starfleet, and she's also most of the time not pleasant. Uh, kind of like Bill. Yeah, this is wow. true, but I think she's given some other stories. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think I, you're both pleasant. I, I like it. I, I think it's different because she's not complaining about Miles leaving his socks everywhere. I mean, uh, that at least for me is, is worth it alone, but I can absolutely understand, Haley, why you say that, and I, I can't fault you for that one bit because nope. you're kind of in line with where Camp Kittimer is. 60% uh, of people responding said that they would see this episode. Uh, the shorthand there is 4 out of 10 would skip it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Although people did say one of Trek's most tired tropes, skip it. Keiko finally has some personality, skip it. Uh, although on the other side, Rosalind Chow has some fun, see it. Yep. And lastly, go ROM, see it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we love Rom, so I can't fault that. That's true. Yeah, this is true. Good point. All right. Oh, man. Trials and tribulations. Darwin, a disgraced Klingon spy, travels back in time. The DS9 crew must prevent him from altering the timeline. Oh, my gosh. Hashtag best crossover ever. Mm. Dan. Oh, skip it. Bill. <laughs> skip no, you. This really this was, as Haley just said, this is the best crossover. This is the best. Um, I heard recently that there were thoughts to do a piece of the action as the crossover episode to TOS on Deep Space Nine. And I'm so glad that they didn't do that. This episode is phenomenal. The way that they tie everything in to uh, the original series, the tribbles coming off out of the top of the of the storage compartment one at a time because storage Cisco's actually throwing exactly. Um, it's it's phenomenal. It is a it is a piece of Trek mastery, mastery, Ma- yes. mastery, mastery. Um, yeah, it's a see it. That's all I gotta say. Is, is it my turn now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ahead, thank so. you. Um, <laughs> This episode, just like Dan says, is an all-time classic. It's it's an all-time favorite, and it is absolutely the perfect love letter to Star Trek. It was the ah. the anniversary episode for that year, and every time I see Forrest Gump on television, I thank my lucky stars that they made that movie so we'd have the technology yep. to put Cisco and Kirk in the same room. Mm-hmm. It was it was fantastic. It just it melts your heart. It really does. It takes one of the best episodes of TOS and makes it even better. So for me, Haley, it's a see it. Thank you. Well, that's good. For me, this is a see it with like tons of exclamation points afterwards, caps, bold letters, <laughs> like shouting it from, I don't know, the Eiffel Tower or something. This episode <laughs> is just, it's amazing. The first time I saw it, it was just absolutely wonderful. And it just, it holds up and it's so great how they blended everything and made it look seamless. Yeah. It's just, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And if you don't like this episode, I'm going to come and like beat you up. So what you're saying is you're kind of on the fence about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So Camp Kittimer on Trials and Tribulations, do you guys want to take a guess at what the percentage was? 100. It better be 100. It better be, but I'm going to probably say it's like 98. Well, it is 100%. Boom. Um, It is a universally loved episode, which is what I like to see about Deep Space Nine. That makes me excited. Because yeah. Deep Space Nine was the Jan Brady of Star Trek for so long. Um, it was the middle child. It was you know the one that didn't get the respect it deserved. And to see this episode get this much love just warms my heart. Um, some of the verbatims, uh, Dax has hots for Spock, see it, which I think is one of the funniest bits of the episode. <laughs> A triumph of writing, acting, and technical prowess. Uh, triples and nostalgia, see it. Hashtag too much fun, see it. And then this last one is one I agree with absolutely essential viewing couldn't yes. have said it better myself mm-hmm. absolutely so good i agree those are all great awesome all right we're moving on let he who is without sin this is season and five episode seven Worf and dax vacation on the pleasure planet risa and encounter unexpected dangers dun 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 dan well, it has to happen pretty much 
every season at least once. And this is where it is happening first here in season five. This is a skip it for me. Um, This episode bores me. I think it is just a ridiculous story. And the idea that Worf, who holds honor above all else, would even think of joining Fullerton and this new essentialist group. It's just ridiculous. It doesn't work. Um, and this is all because basically he's pissed off at Jadzia, which I think is is just is just childish. Um, it, it's not a good episode, and even Vanessa Williams can't save it. So it's a skip it for me, Bill. Um, you know, Dan, you, you said you know for yourself that this happens at least once a season, and I'm at that juncture too myself. <laughs> Here it comes. This one's a skip it for me, and to wit I say, meh. It's, I've only ever seen this episode once, and that was when it first debuted in the mid-90s, at the week it aired, and it's dreadful, and I have not watched it since because it's that bad. There is mm. nothing about this episode that is redeeming or good or believable. It was kind of fun to see Monty Markham in another bad guy role. He was all over TV in the 70s and early 80s and shows as the bad guy of the week. So it was kind of interesting to see him pop up. But other than that, uh, this episode is a definite meh, Haley. Yeah, we're, we're in agreement. This is a, a skip it with a thumbs down for me. <laughs> it's just, no. And like Dan was saying, it doesn't make sense for worse character to go off and, and act this way just because he's mad at, at someone. At, yeah. Mm. No. Yeah. No. No. I'm right there with you. I um, So in, in the last round, we played Guess the Percentage. Do you guys want to guess the percentage from Camp Kittimer on this episode? Ladies first. Um, people that would say they would see it, I'm probably guessing maybe like maybe 40. Okay, Dan. Oh, I'm, I'm saying less than 20%. Okay, so around 40 or sub 20 well, I will tell you it is sub 50%. Less than half the respondents said they would say it, but only 47% oh, oh! <laughs> said they would see this episode. See? Look at that. I shocked you both. Um, uh, my, my favorite comments are uh, um, bickering Worf Jadzia as bad as bickering O'Brien's. Skip it. Uh, Worf <laughs> is unusually insufferable. Must skip. <laughs> and this one was great. Can't remember what it's about. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. Uh, not surprised by that at all. Another one said, "Skip this with extreme prejudice." So, mm-hmm. uh, not a favorite among anybody. I'm interested in what the people who would say see it think you should see it for, because there's, in my opinion, there's just not a lot to this episode. No, I think the only bit that I like was when Jadzia was trying to get Worf to like put on a bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a little humorous. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I want to see Worf in a bathing suit, but it is kind of funny that she's like, oh, go put one on. Anyway, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, I'm right there with it. Yeah. All right. Episode eight, things passed. Cisco, Odo, Dax, and Garrick are found unconscious. While Bashir attempts to revive their bodies, the four wake up during the Cardassian occupation of several of Bajor several years earlier. Bill. Well, you know, I have to say for me, and this may surprise some people, this one's a see it. I like this episode because of Dukat. Um, you know, I get it. They were trying to do time travel without doing time travel. All right. So I'm going to let that go. Uh, but his delusion 
as the prefect of Bajor is just delicious every time we get to see it. He is so in love with himself and paints himself as such the hero that it is worth seeing for that alone. Uh, and the, every time, well, I mean, that's true every time Marco Limo is on screen, but this time is no exception, Dan. For me, it's a see it. Yeah, I gave it a see it for pretty much the same reason, and that's Marco Limo. Everybody knows that Goldicott is my favorite Trek villain of all time, and he shines just like he does in just about every scene he is in in every episode of Deep Space Nine. And the other thing that I like about this is I like what you said, Bill, that it's time travel without time travel, but I love seeing these historical episodes about the occupation. Um, We only get to see it a few times, but every time we see it, I really enjoy it. So I gave this one a definite see it. Haley? This one, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one a little bit. I appreciate it and I like it for what it is. It's a little bit weird. Like, I don't like the whole it's Odo's memory that saves them and he has to remember, like, who they are and stuff. So it's kind of a, eh, I don't know. Maybe see it depending on the mood. Maybe skip it depending on the mood. I'm sorry, we need a definitive answer, please. Yeah, there for are 100 no, points. There are no snippets. <laughs> <laughs> today, uh, today, what would you do? Today, I would skip it. Okay, that's fair. I can't. I don't have a new one over again. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you, Haley, it was all him. <sighs> I told you. Um, I know. I know. Uh, I kid, I kid. Yeah, sure you do. Uh, <laughs> of the respondents in Camp Kittimer said they would also see it. Um, Some people, uh, one person referred to it as great episode of prequel episode solely to DS9 itself instead of Star Trek. I hadn't considered it from that angle, and that's pretty fascinating. The other one said, good Odo story plus Garrick. Yeah, that's actually true. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. So uh, a couple of see it votes there, but uh, 84%. Nice. Nice. Not bad. All right. Episode 9, The Ascent. Forced to crash land on a desolate planet, Odo and Quark learn they lost uh, their communication system, replicator, and most rations in the explosion. Uh, Bill, what do you say? I I think this one's an absolute see-it. This is one of the best episodes of the season, and to me, it is the definitive Odo and Quark episode. There are things that were a little tropey in it, and I'm not going to lie. Yep, they crashed, they don't have communications, they got to get communications. But the challenge in which they give these two characters and how they have to come together and actually kind of reveal that they like each other anyway, um, you know, in an underhanded sort of, or backhanded sort of way, is really what endears this episode to me. Plus, when you get two great actors like Renee and Armin with material like this, I tell you, it's really just magical. So it's a see it for me, Dan. Yeah, this is a 100% see it for me. It I, I wrote in my notes, it's probably the best Quark episode of the series. It is the best Quark Odo episode of the series. Uh, it's a great way to see what this relationship is really like. And as as you said, Bill, it is expertly acted by both Armin and Renee. It, it, and it really takes the series to new heights. Get it? Oh, we, uh-huh. we got it. On? We got oh. it. It just we, wasn't we, funny. We got it. Sorry. <laughs> Wow. All right. Yeah. Coconut. All right. Miss uh, Things Pass, skip it. What do you say? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> wow. I know, right? What a jerk. I might not want to come back. <laughs> I tell no. you what, Haley, you can come back and, uh, and, and sit in Dan's chair in an episode where I don't let him come on. 
Woohoo! <laughs> uh, I'm, no. I'm, I'm sorry. This episode is is definitely a see it for me. I think the development um, of both the Odo and Quark separately, but then together, I think is amazing. The end scene where you know they're both like, "I still hate you." even though you know that really they don't fully mean it anymore, like they did maybe in season one and season two. Um, and up until now, it's absolutely a see it for me. It's phenomenal. I love it. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Um, what the did Camp Kidmer, Camp Kidmer. Wow. Say, well, the campers agree with us for the most part, uh, 89 said they would see this episode. And I think that's fair. Um, uh, there are two comments that stand out. Renee and Armin shine as the odd couple lost in the woods. See it. And that really is kind of what this episode is. And mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't get any simpler or better than this. Excellent Odo and Quark. See it. I agree completely. Um, so thanks, Camp Kittimer, for, for agreeing with us because this one is one of the one of the best ones. And, and we get lip smacking and buzzing in the shuttlecraft or the <laughs> runabout. So that's always a good thing. I get that with you whenever we wind up sharing a hotel room in Vegas, quite frankly. And uh, I understand the dilemma. Uh, thank, you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I don't know how you do it. Uh, some days, neither do I. Either of each other. <laughs> it's, uh, usually it involves a lot of alcohol. Yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. All right. Episode 10, Rapture. An accident causes Cisco to have prophetic visions. When he finds an ancient Bunjoran city lost for 20,000 years, Kai Wynn reconsiders her attitude towards him. Really? Does she? Damn <laughs> Very nice. Um, I gave this one a see it. Uh, you know, the ramifications of this episode with Cisco as the emissary carry straight on to the finale. And I think it's great. Um, to me, this is Deep Space Nine's version of TOS's obsession. When he starts dealing with um, the the lost city, he nothing else matters, and I think uh, I think it's a great um, callback to obsession. Um, and I think the prophecy about the locust is brilliant writing because we don't expect it to be what it means. So I thought it was great. I love it. I love Avery in this episode. So it's a see it for me, William. Thank you, Daniel. Um, this one's a see it for me too. It's it. You said it perfectly, Dan. It comes all back to the fact of Cisco's obsession, and and this episode just works for me in that regard. You know, it's a it's significance in his acceptance of the role as emissary. I mean, some people refer to this as the the third episode in the emissary trilogy of sorts. Mm-hmm. Although I I personally think there's more episodes than that 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 show him becoming co- more comfortable with this role. But it's pivotal in not only in Bajor's evolution and its entrance into the Federation, but also for the Cisco himself. So for me, Haley, it's a see it. I can see that. And uh, I'm in agreement with you guys. This one is a see it for me. I really, the obsession is really crazy and insane from a psychological perspective. I mean, he just, I think this is when he really fully understands that he is the Cisco. Yeah. And and takes that and and realizes that and what his role is for Bajor. So it's a see it for me. Yeah, I want to add one thing. You just said something that made me uh, think of something, Haley. The scene where he wakes up from surgery and realizes that the visions are gone, his reaction 
perfect example of what that obsession was like to him and, and his reaction that he's lost it is, is just awesome. Yeah. Totally agree. Cam Kittimer agrees for the most part. 84% of people said they would see this episode. Uh, one person said it was the best of the emissary arc, and I can't fault that assessment because mm-hmm. it, it is pretty good. Um, I guess I see why some people would skip it. Um, yeah, anytime we get to our characters and obsession, it can go right or go wrong. And I can see where for some people it goes wrong. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Episode 11, the darkness and the light. Someone is killing Kira's friends off and she might be next. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what do you say? Well, um, I had to skip this one. Uh, to be honest, it was it was one that I it was one that I went back and forth with several times of whether it would be a see it or whether it would be a skip it. Um, I, I I just couldn't stay with see it. I think it's a I, I honestly think it's a meaningless episode in in the grand scheme of things and and really doesn't have anything going forward. Of course, it has a lot of things with the past and her friends and everything. But come on, she's about to give birth to a baby and she's off chasing a killer. It's. I know that she's determined and everything, but it just it just didn't work for me. And and I gotta say that Cardi has some severe skin irritation. Perhaps he needs an analgesic cream, Bill. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Thanks for that, Dan. Appreciate that Ba-dum-bum. contribution to Trek Geeks. <laughs> this is why we're a a non Parsec award winning podcast for the third year in a row. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say see it, actually, Dan. I'm going to surprise oh. you on this one. It's our first difference of the season. Mm. And it took me a while to come to see it on this one. I actually had to go back and rewatch this one to decide how I'd come down on it. And I really kind of like it. I, I like its darkness. And I think it actually presents a huge conflict for Kira. Yes, this falls into the same problem that some of the other episodes in the beginning of this season has as far as tropiness. But I mean, some writing is always going to have some tropiness. That's the tropes wouldn't exist if they didn't get used. But this episode makes Kira face her own actions during the occupation, sort of like she was challenged to do in duet. And I think that's the most interesting facet of this episode to me. So that's why this particular episode is a see it for me. That makes sense. Uh, this one's a skip it. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. You know, it's, it's almost a bottle episode. Like you could take this one out on its own. It wouldn't affect the rest of the season. It wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything, you know? Um, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's got some, it's got some good aspects to it, but in the overall grand scheme of things, I would skip it. Well, and I can understand that. Uh, 81% of the folks in Camp Kittimer said they would see this episode. Oh, wow. I know. That's actually kind of higher than I thought it would be because I figured I would be the yeah. odd person out. Mm. Um, not very many verbatims on this one. Uh, one person said, menace and catharsis. See it. And I, I guess oh. that's true. So yeah, uh, 81.58% if we're going to be accurate about it. So that's uh, that's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Intriguing. All right, then. Well, we're going to move on to episode 12, The Begotten. When Cork discovers an infant changeling, it has a profound effect on Odo. Uh, Dan. Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm giving this a definite see it. Uh, the return of one of our favorite actors ever, Mr. James Sloyan as Dr. Mora. It's just reason enough to see it. 
the bickering that Odo and he have while uh, working on this baby changeling and having him, you know, uh, change shape is just fantastic. Kira has O'Brien's baby. Fantastic. Odo is a changeling again. Fantastic. I mean, all is right in the quadrant. It's a great episode. And I got to say the look of happiness on Odo's face when he changes back from that bird to himself is is reason enough to just love the Odo character as much as I do. So it's a definite see it for me. What say you BS Bill Smith? Uh, thank you for clarifying oh. what that BS stood for. <laughs> uh, anyone that has listened to Trek geeks or knows me knows how I'm going to come down on this episode without even giving it a rating. So I'm just going to say James Sloyan. Mm. Okay. Uh, absolute see it for me. Plus Odo gets to be goopy again. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> your, your face is goopy hashtag goopy odo <laughs> nice. um but uh it's yeah like i said it's a see it for me Haley. all right well sorry guys it's a skip it oh dun dun, dun i know uh, you know i don't like the relationship between dr mora and odo and while I would love to have given birth like a Bajoran does, apparently so calmly with no pain, it doesn't happen that way. And the bells and the dinging, I can understand why O'Brien was like, oh, my God, this is awful. Can't it just be over with already? <laughs> That's what I was about this episode. It's a skip it. So no strong feelings is what you're saying. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, well, Haley, um, it might surprise you to learn yeah, that... Yeah, stop giving me that face, Dan. <laughs> yeah, Dan. <laughs> Haley is our esteemed guest geek for the full yes. hour. Hello. <laughs> um, 90% of respondents in Camp Kittimer said that they would see this sorry... Sorry? Sorry. 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 Story. Words are hard today. Uh, and uh, for everybody, it came back to Odo. Uh, a great Odo story. Beautiful. See it. Uh, Odo's back. See it. Um, Odo never went away. Let's just be honest about that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a see it for most people. But um, I hadn't thought about it from the birth angle before. So uh, yeah. thanks, Haley. Because <laughs> we're guys. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you haven't had to go through that. <laughs> so true. Well, here's hoping I don't because that well, I'd have to get an agent. <laughs> it's not fun. Hmm. Just so you know. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> uh, episode 13 for the uniform. Michael Eddington returns and Cisco becomes obsessed yet again with catching him. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> that was just because I got obsessed, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> for those who can't see me, I made, made a face and put my arms up in the air for Cisco's obsession. Um, this isn't going to be a shock to anybody. This is a see it. I love this episode, and it's a fantastic middle act of a three-act play. Um, you know, we talked about it in the uh, the Eddington arc we did of three episodes back to back to back uh, here on Trek Geeks earlier this year. Um, it's it's one of my favorites all time. There's that phrase again, Dan. Yeah, it's it's definitely a see it, and um, reason for this decision can be found in episode one thirty six of the Trek Geeks podcast. Actually, it's it's just brilliant. It's like Bill said, it's a brilliant middle story for this three part Eddington arc. Great story. Cisco obsessed. Cisco yelling. Uh, just great. And is this the one that we get to see the hollow communicator for the first time? Because that's pretty cool too. I believe it is. There you go. Okay. See it. All right. Well, 
It is a skip it. I don't even know who you are anymore. I, really? How did you wind up on this show? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this I should have expected this from the TOS podcaster who loves TNG. <laughs> Differences are okay. They are. There are no wrong answers except if you don't like for the uniform. <laughs> I mean of the other We love you, Haley. It's in this arc, okay. It it it's just it's boring. I it's Les Miserables. Yeah, no. Okay. Sorry. That's fine. Makes a note. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's get into the Camp Kenema results, and then we have something special to share with people before we carry on with the back half of the season. Uh, Camp Kenema for For the Uniform, 97.3% said they would see this episode. Um my, uh, the favorite quotes of this are triggered angry Cisco. See it. Uh, you betrayed your uniform. See it. Uh, not chess, Mr. Worf. Poker. See it. One of my favorite lines in the entire episode. And uh, the one skip it that, that put a comment was, Maki, make a dull story. Skip it. So it's interesting to have that perspective with this particular episode. I have to say that I think the results in Camp Kittimer are skewed. I'm accusing Haley of being the one person who did skip it in that poll, and it should be 100%. (laughs) Was it you? (laughs) Was that really you? (laughs) It was me. Are you serious? (laughs) I'm dead serious. (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't know that. That Wow. Oh, I see how this is going to play out, Stoddard. (laughs) Here you are tanking the results. You're voting twice. No, I'm kidding. We're halfway through season five. We're moving on to episode 14 in Purgatory's Shadow. Worf and Garrick journey to the Gamma Quadrant to investigate a coded Cardassian message. I'm going to go with Bill. Yes. I was waiting for this. It's like I was born for this moment. Um, (laughs) This episode is a fantastic turn of events. I mean, this is literally the second half of the season started off absolutely perfectly. You've got Martok. Oh, my God. You've got Bashir. We learn learn that something went down with Bashir, and it's just totally mind-blowing because he's the last person you expect to see in that camp. Uh, just so much that you don't expect and absolutely every bit of it works, Dan. So for me, it's an absolute see it. Absolute see it indeed. It's an amazing part one when you think about it, even though the titles aren't the same, this is a two-part episode and uh, this part one is fantastic. The return of old One-Eye Martok is a significant turn of events in the series. Um, and like you said, the whole Bashir has been a changeling on the station for months was a something that you did not see coming. Brilliant, brilliant story. I love this one. Haley, don't disappoint us again. Uh, Spoilers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This one is definitely a see it for me. I absolutely, oh my gosh, it's such a thrill. And and that that is, I mean, Bashir, you don't expect it that Bashir is a Klingon or a changeling. And you're just like, oh my God. He could be a changeling, a Klingon, if he was a changeling to go into a Klingon and be Bashir Klingon changeling, right? I, I didn't follow most of that. It's still too early. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts my brain. Sorry. <laughs> what Camp Kittimer, Bill? 
We lost Bill. I know. He's uh, gone oh. all quiet. No, he's gone. He's dropped off. I think. No, he's on mute. So. Oh, okay. I said things for an entire while, and you guys didn't even you hear it. You muted yourself. <laughs> I muted it because I called. You didn't even have to do it. I, you yeah. did it to yourself. Yeah. Good job. I'm actually going to leave that in because that shows how brilliant I am this morning. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so now, finally, it's not me. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why don't you take a victory lap there, champ? Um, Can't so, be back. Yeah. So, Kim Kittimer, let's talk about them in Purgatory Shadow. Um, yes. Just like the last episode, 97.3% said that they would see mm. this episode. Um, fascinating to me, especially when I look at the results for the next one, but we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Um, it's interesting that uh, somebody said uh, Garrick and Bashir always shine. See it? I think that may have been Haley. Um, <laughs> no? It's interesting. Nope. All right, that then. Uh, me. Okay. You never know, because now I'm going to assume that the comment that I think is the most interesting is yours, just from based on the last episode. <laughs> Um, okay. But yeah, 97. Hmm. Well, that's kind of not surprising, but all right, we'll move on to part two then. Uh, by Inferno's Light, Dukat aligns the Cardassians with the Dominion, because that's going to go well. The station must deal with a changeling infiltrator. Who is it? I don't know. Oh. Man. <laughs> it's Klingon Bashir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, oh my God, this is such a see it. Um, it's an awesome conclusion to In Purgatory Shadow. Garrick is claustrophobic. Worf is getting the tar beat out of him. And disguised Princess Leia gets vaporized in front of our eyes. So that's always a good thing too. Um, what's not to love? Um, seriously though, it's an amazing turn of events for the Dominion War. And I just love the fact that all the Cardassians are left, uh, are let go in the prison camp. Oh, except you, Garrick, you get to stay because Ducat doesn't like you. That was great. Bill? Uh, it Absolutely. You know, it's funny because when I saw this, you know, first run in the 90s, I said to myself, oh man, that's cool. They got Princess Leia's costume from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and I've always thought that about the brain. I know they don't actually look that much alike, but it was the first thing it, it made me think of. Uh, yeah, an absolute see it for me. This is such an incredible conclusion to the prior episode. And plus, uh, you know, as somebody who has recently discovered that he is claustrophobic, I have a newfound respect for Andy Robinson in those scenes where he's trying to set up the transmitter and, and Garrick is having his claustrophobia. It, uh, it's it's something that, that actually just makes me go, ooh, now, whereas before <laughs> it didn't necessarily. So an absolute see it for me, Haley. Yeah, I, I am in agreement with you guys. So we are three for three. This is a see it for me. Um, it's one of those you you definitely have to watch. There's so much development in there. And exactly, Garrick, I mean, gosh, you just feel for him as he's starting to lose it inside that wall. I mean, who wouldn't? And then the light goes out and he's just freaking out. And, and Bashir goes in there and talks to him and is like, you got this. It's okay. And, it's, and Worf just taking the beatings and just kind of almost... Also showing these soldiers up like, yeah, you guys are tough, but so am I. Um, and we're not going to give up without a fight and a good fight anyway. Um, definitely great. Definitely see it. What does Camp Kidmer say? Well, you know, this doesn't happen very often in a season um, of any of, the, uh, of the, the seasons we've done for Seattle Skip It. This is yet another 100%. Wow. Wow. Uh, would see it in Camp Kidmer, like across the board. Uh, strong conclusion. See it. More Garrick and Bashir. See it. Um, I think it's like like you said, Haley, and like like they say here in Camp Kenner. It just adds a lot of depth to the the friendship between Garrick and Bashir. Um, 
there's not much to say about this other than go watch this episode right now. You know what I find is one of the funniest tongue-in-cheek parts of this episode is when Changeling Bashir's in the runabout and he's getting flung into the sun, the whole way that his character kind of like spins when, when the when the runabout is being thrown in, I just find that hilarious every time it's on. Don't know why. <laughs> okay, that, Dan. That's it. That's it. Go ahead, Daly. You're up. This is, <laughs> this is why people come to Trek Geeks for the hard-hitting analysis. Yes. Um, and, and might I add, Thank you. Mission Log Who? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Thanks, oh, boy. Yeah. All righty, then. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. We're 10 episodes away from the end of the season, but right now we are at Dr. Bashir. Bashir, wow. Bashir, I presume. Bashir is selected to become the model for a long-term hologram until a family secret is revealed. Okay, who doesn't have family secrets that we don't want revealed? Dan, what do you think? Ah, I don't have any secrets. Um, uh-huh. th- is this the Klingon Bashir long-term medical hologram? I want to know. See, I'm never going to let that go. I just want to let you know. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I, I hope you hold on to this about as long as you held on to Niner in Vegas, okay? Wow. Okay, then. Okay, so moving on, I'm going to give this one a see it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is the one that changes the character of Bashir and the show Deep Space Nine forever. I mean, genetically engineered, nobody saw that one coming. And I think that it works brilliantly. And it isn't done in a way that it's like, okay, they're just looking for something to change his character. It actually works. And going forward from here, the way that they pull it all together of uh, how he is on the station is just done great. And uh, I loved it. So, Bill, I gave it a see it. Well, Dan, I have to agree with you right there. I mean, you're right. It absolutely changes the landscape for Bashir and the crew uh, for the rest of the series. I think, But I think it adds a layer that's a pretty exciting development. And like you, I absolutely love how it was done. Uh, plus, I mean, we got some Bob Picardo in this episode, which isn't bad either. Um, <laughs> a little crossover there. It's nice to see, you know, a little nod to Voyager. That always kind of makes us happy. So, yeah, for me, Haley, this is a definite see it. All righty, then. All righty. Uh, sorry guys, it's a skip it. <laughs> wow, you're tough. I am. <laughs> Dan has just left the recording studio. Airy Studios is now vacant and empty, as it is when the <laughs> occupant is there. Yeah, this is true. I thought you were going to say about the real one being empty all the time, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that one's empty, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I get that. I, I agree with what Dan said. And, you know, it made me think about it a little bit. Um, you know, this has ramifications down the line for him. But at the same time, I just, I think it could have done, they could have done it a little bit differently. And I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, yeah, it was just kind of boring. Okay. No, that's that's fair. I mean, you know, uh, everybody's favorite is somebody's least favorite. And or, or in the, the terms of see it or skip it. One that someone would see is inevitably some one that someone would skip. So um, 92% of people in Camp Kittimer said they would see this. Um, <laughs> my favorite uh, my favorite verbatim here is excellent episode, annoying subsequent characterization. See it. <laughs> That's so, great. Somebody who didn't like the genetically enhanced Bashir thread to go forward. Which, again, hey, and, uh, I suppose if we're going to use the Trek Ranks mantra of no wrong answers, that's not a wrong answer. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All righty then. Well, episode 17, a simple investigation. Odo falls in love with a woman, Arissa, 
involved in the Orion, Orion Syndicate. Bill. Thank you. Uh, this one for me is a see it. I think it's an important episode for Odo. He gets to make some mistakes and be human, even though he's not solid anymore. Plus, you know, it's like Bashir says to him in this episode. You can't go through life trying to avoid having your heart broken. If you do, it'll break from loneliness anyway. So you might as well take a chance. If you don't, she'll move on, and you'll never know what you might have had. And living with that would have been worse than having a broken heart, believe me. Um, plus, I mean, I love Day Young. Every time she shows up in Star Trek, like James Sloyan, she's one of my favorite guest stars. She's shown up in, uh, in TNG a couple of times. She shows up here. She'll show up in Enterprise, spoiler alert. Uh, pretty sure she makes it onto Voyager. So uh, this one for me, Dan, as I see it. Well, Bill, Haley, listeners, this was really tough because I love Renee and I love Odo so much, but I actually had to give this one a skip it. And it was really difficult for me to do that because, like I said, he's my favorite character. It's important episode for his development, but I just it, it just doesn't work for me for some reason. I find myself not enjoying this episode when I watch it. And it could just be because of how bad I feel for how he is crushed at the end of this episode when um, she returns in her regular and what she looks like, her alien uh, makeup is on and so forth. And she's married and it just, it just kills him. And for me, that just, that just pulls me out of the episode. So I actually gave this one a skip it. Haley. Well, Dan and I are in agreement. This one is a skip it for me. I like the storyline of Arissa where, you know, she chose to have her memories wiped and and go into the Orion Syndicate to bring them down. I think that storyline is really great, but the whole Odo falling in love with her just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I like I said, you know, I like it for for reasons that I know that a lot of people don't. I just I I think it's yeah. a good exploration for Odo, but I totally mm -hmm. get what you guys are saying. Uh, Camp Kittimer also gets what you guys are saying because I think they're more in line with you. Sixty percent of respondents said they would see it. Um, it's among the lowest totals for episodes during this season from Camp Kittimer, mm -hmm. so definitely not a favorite. Um, although one person did say vulnerable Odo is enticing. See it, which I thought was an interesting verbatim. So yeah, yeah, sixty percent. Hmm. Okay. Fascinating. All right. Mm -hmm. Episode 18. Business as usual. Cork's cousin Gala offers him a job as a weapons dealer, which is kind of not surprising for Cork. Bill. Thank you. Um, this one for me is a skip it. Um, I, and oh. I get what some people are going to say, but uh, I'm going to go with meh. All right. I get it. <laughs> so Quark is bad, but he's allegedly not that bad. He's got limits. But the guy has dealt weapons before, and some that are pretty terrible, I'm going to say. Um, I just have a really hard time buying in on this because it's like we're supposed to have a little bit of amnesia with Quark's past in the early seasons of Deep Space Nine. And for that, the episode doesn't work for me. Sorry, Dan. That's okay. Um, I gave it a see it. Uh, Kajan is selling weapons. I just love that guy, the way he talks. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So, um, And he gets his own moon, or he has his own moon. But I like this episode a lot. Oh, yeah. um, I like... Uh, it's interesting that you said what you said, Bill, because I love seeing how Quark can come up with a way to legally do what he's doing when it's illegal. Okay, let's just show holographic versions of the weapons. Yeah. I thought that that was a good way to do that, but I also love how everyone reacts to it in such a negative way. But he still does it until he starts seeing just how dangerous it is. But, you know, to be honest, 
who doesn't love to see Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cop in Deep Space Nine? Love me, it. me. Okay, <laughs> me. I answered your a question asked and answered. There you go. Yeah, this one is a skip it for me as well. I think wow. that there's just there's things about Quirk's behavior in this episode that just doesn't quite line up with the rest of the seasons, even though you can see him dealing in weapons, doing it this deeply just doesn't make sense for his character at this point. I mean, all the development that he's had in the past four seasons and up to this point in season five just doesn't work. Like you're just sitting there going, well, wait, Quirk, as much as he's still a Ferengi and wants profits and he's in debt and wants to pay off all his collectors and everything like that, it just doesn't quite work. You just, you question it way too much, I think. Well, Haley, you and I are in the minority on this one with Camp Kittimer because uh, it appears that 79% of respondents said that they would see this episode. Uh, uh-huh. one, one person appreciated the fact that uh, Quark was going too far and then repenting, which mm. is an interesting take. But uh, yeah, uh, for once, uh, Dan, you and I are on opposite sides of, of the, the difference. Most of the season so far, I said see it and you said skip it. No. And this is the first instance where we've reversed. So that's interesting mm. too. No, that's good. And let's get back to the business. As Victor Maitland, Deep Space Nine says. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, yeah. We're going on from there. Episode 19, Ties of Blood and Water. Takeni Gamor arrives on Deep Space Nine and reveals that he is dying. Oh. I know. Dan. <laughs> Uh, this is a definite see it. It's an amazing Kira episode. Nana excels in this. Her range of emotions is off the charts. The flashbacks are a great great way to show uh, why she's feeling the way uh, she felt. And that end scene um, with Gamora being buried next to her real father was extremely touching and poignant. And I love this episode. Bill? I, yes, all of that. All of that. <laughs> I think that, that that last scene where you realize that you know he's buried next to her father is really what just sort of makes this episode an absolute scene in my book. Kira gets a lot of closure, you know, and I think that's important for her character. You know, in uh, when we first meet, you know, Gamor, it, uh, it it doesn't go so well at first for Kira, but she she learns to shed more of that hatred for the Cardassians yeah. and really develops a relationship for him. And I'm glad that they explored the end of that relationship because it's something that's that's informed her character going forward. Plus, yeah. I think it's good for her to experience this kind of loss at this point in her life and the development of this character. Um, plus, I mean, we learn that the Vorta are cloned and we get our <laughs> first reoccurrence of Wayun in this episode. Yes. So, uh, and I got to say before I, before I throw it over to you, Haley, that Avery Brooks just directs the hell out of this episode there. I can see where some people might think there's not much here, but he really gets a lot of gems out of this one. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys. We're on the same page. This is a definite see it. That end scene is just incredibly powerful. I think the whole episode is where, you know, she's sitting there, she's interviewing him and, and trying to learn all this stuff and staying awake with him. And it's very moving, incredibly moving. You know, we get Ducat, he comes back and he wants Gamora's extradition. And they're like, no, he's dying. I, it's, it's definitely a see it. Absolutely. And looking at the response from Camp Kittimer, 
um, they're pretty much in agreement. 92% said that they would mm. see this episode. Um, one person did say weaker follow-up, but still good. I can appreciate that. Um, but overall, the, the theme here is this is a great episode. Nice. Yeah. All right. Episode 20. Ferengi love songs. Mm-hmm. At the end of his rope, Cork returns home and discovers Moogie has a secret lover. Woo. <laughs> Dan. Moogie. I knew you were um, going to do that. I knew you were yeah. going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Any Red Sox fans out there, uh, Mookie Betts, whenever he's at the plate, I go, Mookie. So just a little tangent. Anyway, uh, um, I am giving this one a skip it. Um, I'm going to borrow a now famous saying from a now famous executive producer of a low-end podcast. Meh. Um, aside from Jeffrey Combs's brunt, who's brilliant as always, I'm just not thrilled with this episode. To be honest, Zek is starting to get on my nerves, and it is way too wet on Ferenginar. Bill? Uh, first, it's not way too wet on Ferenginar. Uh, it, I love the fact that it rains all the time there. I think it's one of the best parts about the planet. But this episode is definitely a skip it for me. And although Dan has appropriated, or should say misappropriated my meh, <laughs> I invoke the right as executive producer of this low-end podcast to use it here. I'm just not a fan of Ferengi episodes, as people know, but I am even less of a fan of Moogie episodes. Mm. Um, there's just, uh, this, this is the first episode of the season to me that has seemed like filler. Yeah, and I, I get it. I mean, you're going to have a, a you know a few less than great episodes every season, and this one certainly comes in on that end of the spectrum for me. So Haley, it's a skip it. Yeah, it's a it's a skip it. I there's very few Ferengi episodes that I enjoy. I don't mind moments of Ferengi parts and episodes, but overall, yeah, this one's just yeah no. And it's weird that it would be the Nagus that she's in love with, considering Quark standing with the Ferengi right. alliance at this point. I mean, really? I don't know. No, it just doesn't and work. Can I say one other thing before we get to Camp Kidderman's results? Really? Brunt beams into Quark's closet? <laughs> Come on. I mean, that's just dumb. But, it is. You know, it is cool. incredibly stupid. Brunt, FCA. Next. <laughs> you weren't going to get out of this one without going Brunt FCA. So thank you for doing that. Um, 52% of respondents would see this episode. Whoa. Wow. Um, and so here we go. There are three comments for see it. Um, see it only because it sets up things for later. Okay. I understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Nagus episodes are always a must see. Yeah, we're nah. all wrinkling our nose. Uh, okay, no. maybe for that person, and we respect you and, and live long and prosper. Yeah. Um, and lastly, DS9 Ferengis are worth watching. See it. Mm-hmm. There are some. There are there are some great Ferengi episodes, but this one for me is not among them. Yeah, I agree. And for me, like I don't mind Wallace Shawn as the Negus, but sorry, Princess Bride is my favorite role of his. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Inconceivable. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like I need beetle snuff right now. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> All right, whatever. Uh episode 21, Soldiers of the Empire. <laughs> Martok, Worf, and Dax go on a mission aboard a Klingon ship to search for the Bamoth. Bill. 
Thank you. Uh, this one for me is a see it, and I'm going to put it in these terms. Seeing the Klingon who is more Klingon than Klingon finally playing a significant Klingon role in a Klingon vessel is pretty great. Um, is that Bashir? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, just, what the f*** is your problem? <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> I had to bleep that out. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, and that was all me. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, That's beautiful. It's, I'm Captain Pottymouth this morning. Um, the, the whole dynamic with Martok and Worf in this episode is, is worth it. But, you know, Worf is often referred to as the Klingon who is trying to be more Klingon than Klingons actually are. And I think we get a better sense of that now than we did in Redemption Part 2. So, uh, yeah, for me, this one's a definite see it, Dan. Yeah, I agree with you, Bill. It is a see it for me as well. I, I really like the martok Worf relationship in this episode. Martok is a broken warrior, and Worf sets him up for success by literally taking it in the chest or side with that dagger uh, on the bridge. Um, and I got to say, I just love the Cardassian neckbone necklace that Lesquette is wearing. <laughs> that was, that's yeah. just brilliant. So I, I like this episode a lot. It's uh, it's it's crucial for the uh, Worf-Martok relationship. Haley? Yeah, this one is definitely a see it for me. I absolutely love that, you know, Jadzia comes to Worf and she's like, you've got, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a big, big problem on this ship if you don't do something. And it has to be Worf. It can't be anybody else. And I think this strengthens the relationship between Worf and Martok. And I love how Worf doing what he does just brings Martok around because imagine he's been in that camp, that dominion camp for a long time, mm-hmm. a long, long time. And that's going to have effects. And I love that we finally are getting to kind of see some of those because star Trek, unfortunately has this thing where something happens to someone in the episode in the next week, they're all just hunky dory and fine. Yep. And, and that's in some cases, yes, but in a lot of these instances, they are, struggling and and we don't see it and and this time we get to see that struggle and it's great yeah i agree with you uh camp kittimer said to the tune of 92 percent that they would see this episode one person said it's the klingon version of family and i I had to take a step back and think about it it really kind of is Mm -hmm. you know when they were putting this episode together they kind of wanted to do uh, star trek without any starfleet you know, uh, officers necessarily. They want to do Star Trek Klingon. And that's really kind of how this this comes about. And I, I think it's done extremely well. So 92% of Camp Kittimer is right there with us, guys. And speaking of family, this is the episode, correct me if I'm wrong, that Worf becomes part of the House of Martok. So, yeah, I, I like that uh, analogy. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. All right. Episode 22, Children of Time. An accident causes the crew to meet their own descendants. And okay, and presents them with an ethical dilemma. <laughs> They're way, like, way, way, way descendants, way far. Yeah. And future descendants. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dan. Well, uh, see it. I mean, wow. This is one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's spectacular. The moral dilemma facing this crew is absolutely gut wrenching. Um, it's it's just great. I, I love just about every aspect of this episode. The only thing that I take issue with, and it's it's minuscule, is Kira at the end of the episode. She's blaming her Odo for what the other Odo did, and that is completely wrong. That's that just that just rubs me the wrong way. I'm glad it happened because if not, then you know the show 
the crew would have been gone. But I, it's it's just something that has always bothered me a little bit, and it doesn't really affect their relationship. It's what you just talked about a moment ago, Haley. Is next week everything seems to be fine for the most part um, with the two of them, and of course it gets much better for them later. But still, it's an amazing episode of Star Trek, Bill. You know, for me, it's a see it too, Dan. You know, I used the, the phrase all-time favorite a few times, and, and this is one of my top 10 all-time Deep Space Nine episodes, simply for for what it means. You know, um, you brought up you, you weren't really thrilled with the way that Kira blamed Odo. And I've always looked at that in the sense where she was mad at him for not having said anything, and she had to find out from future Odo, which at the time in the 90s I thought was a cop-out. But now as I look back on it, I think it's pretty brilliant. Um because I don't know that Odo would have had the courage to tell her any other way. Um, so it, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe that's why old Odo did it. But uh, I love the way it's revealed now. I think Worf and the Klingons are great, especially the scene where everybody is working the fields. That's one of my favorite moments in this episode. Because they all have to come together because they know what's going to happen after this. So for me, Haley, it's a definite see it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can see what you guys are saying and everything, but unfortunately for me, it's a skip it. <laughs> I like, I like kind of the whole, I mean, it's a really interesting time travel kind of episode. Dan's just acting like I'm not even around anymore, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, who is this? But, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it sets up something, uh, I just, I don't like the way it ends, and I am not a Kara Odo fan. Kodo, however we want to call Kodo. <laughs> so it's a skip it for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, I don't know how to follow up with that other than to uh, give you the percentage from Camp Kittimer. 84% said that they would see this episode. Um One person said it was a borderline see it. The fact that the Defiant crew couldn't figure out that the people... Uh, couldn't die if they never existed to begin with. That really bothered me. Okay. I understand mm-hmm. that. And uh, somebody said, fine, Cisco with baby cuteness. See it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right. I mean, there are aspects of to the episode that I, I find enjoyable, it, but it's just, it's weird. I don't know. No. no. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Episode 23, Blaze of Glory. An act of desperation by the Maquis could plunge the Federation into war. Really? Really? Because it wasn't going there. Uh, The Maquis have 30 cloaked missiles headed to the Cardassia, which will cause an outbreak of war in the Alpha Quadrant. Bill. (laughs) So, Haley, I'm just going to put you down for a skip it on this one right now. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't want to say you're telegraphing, but uh, I'm just going to put a zero in that column right away. Um, for me, though, it's a see it. I, I do think it's the weakest of the three episodes in this trilogy, like we talked about in uh, the episode we did earlier this year. But I, I definitely think it's absolutely worth watching, Dan. I absolutely think it's worth watching too. And um, if I may be so bold, reason for this decision can be found in episode 137 of the Trek Geeks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's great that you plug your own podcast on your own podcast. <laughs> yeah. That it's takes a, skill. I, I agree with you. It is the weakest of the three, but it's still great. I I kind of wish that um, Eddington didn't die the way he did. Although he did sacrifice himself, I just thought it was kind of a 
boring way to go. Okay, he gets shot a bunch of times by the Jem'Hadar. It could have been something much more, you know, apocalyptic, possibly. But with that being said, I still love the episode. Still think it's uh, worth seeing. And now we will hear why Haley doesn't think that. (laughs) 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 So you kind of feel like his his death was a cop-out? Not a cop out. I just wish it. I mean, he did. He he sacrificed himself so everybody else could escape. I just thought it was. It's not really a blaze of, of glory. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I want to start singing the song, but I can't. Yeah. Well, you guys, Bill was right. <laughs> it is a skip it for me. <laughs> Shocker. Really? <laughs> really? I, th- I think I know your yeah. verbatim in the Camp Kittimer voting, too. I'm going to read that one first. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know. I the whole deception thing. Um, it, yeah, it just doesn't work for me. It it triggers too much for me, and and everything like that. And really, I mean, like I said, the the Federation was kind of headed to war anyway. So really, does it matter how? fast it comes yeah you're not prepared but it's a tv show i'm pretty pretty sure they could have written that they were prepared like the next day but anyway so yeah let's just skip it so Haley was among the minority in camp kittimer voting for this episode where 92 percent of respondents said they would watch blaze of glory and the lone verbatim on this episode is most likely Haley's, where it says maquis boring dead or alive skip it <laughs> am i right hey. It wasn't me. Okay, I never, all right. I don't. I don't write stuff as to why. Liar. <laughs> oh, Dan, you just got the look. I got the look. I apologize. I just became your favorite Trek geek now for like the hundred and fiftieth time. It's it's it reverses back and forth, and oh. in this episode alone, in this episode alone, for a moment, I'm your favorite, and I'll take it. It does reverse back and forth. All right, episode twenty four. Empach Nor. O'Brien, Garrick, Nog, and an engineering team go to Deep Space Nine's abandoned sister station, Empach Nor, to salvage components. Dan. See it. I love this episode. It's so good. Um, you know, you get the station rotating on its side axis, which is kind of cool. There are murderous Cardis running around, which is cool. And Garrick becomes one of them, which is cool. Um, I did find it strange that there were no repercussions for him murdering a Federation officer, but Oh, well, uh, it's a great Garrick story. It's a great O'Brien story as being an engineer in order to solve the problem. I just think this episode is great. And we get to see Impact Noir more than once. So big plus there. I, Bill's got to be making faces because I can't see him right now. But Haley's laughing hysterically. I'm rotating Bill? on my side. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're it's Impact Bill. Yeah, yeah, it's Impact Bill. Thank you. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you said see it, Dan, because my ears were blown out after you said something um, loud, value, loud volume. Uh, I, too, say see it. Although, you know, it's very convenient that there's an abandoned and identical space station at Deep Space Nine that absolutely nobody in the quadrant is doing a damned thing with. Um, this episode is still pretty good uh, for all the reasons that Dan said. Plus, Garrick, Andy Robinson, future co-host of the Trek Geeks podcast. <laughs> Love that guy and everything he's in, including this. So, Haley, it's up to you now. No pressure. This this one is a see it for me. I absolutely love this episode. It is creepy and spooky. And uh, spoilers, it's a psychological thriller. I might have talked about this on another podcast recently. <laughs> maybe. No. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, 
It's, it's absolutely wonderful. The only thing that is not crazy with me, this thing is spinning on its side, yet with their inside, they're walking upright just fine. Artificial gravity. It happens all the time in Star Trek. But, but even then, if it's artificial gravity, they should still be kind of like leaning. No, the cameras, the cameras compensate. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And for two picks I in a row, I gotta I'm say, favorite. I have not had more fun well, on a Cedar Skipper than I'm having right now. <laughs> so for two picks in a row, I'm Haley's favorite. I kind of <laughs> like this trend. We should have had that as a third category for picking in this episode. Which one of us would be Haley's favorite for each pick? And I think I'm leading right now. Yes! Um, oh, God. Sp- speaking of making picks, um, Camp Kittimer, 94.74% said they would see this episode. Uh, one person said inferior story, but still Garrick, so see it. Okay. Other person said, Garrick on acid is a dangerous thing. See it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hadn't thought well, about it in those terms. His taunting of O'Brien is just, oh my yeah. gosh. It's yeah. amazing, you know? It, and, it really is. And when, when they walk in, when O'Brien and Nog walk in to meet Garrick at the end, and he's like hung up the bodies of the other officers, oh my gosh, it, it freaks me out. It's on the board of, you know, night terrors when the bodies sit up. Mm. Yep. Oh, poor Bill. I'm out of coffee. Uh, I I ran out of coffee a while ago, so you can kiss it. (laughs) Wow. Now you're my favorite, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many comments that are not fit for a a family-friendly rated podcast, so we will press on. All right, uh, we're down to the last two episodes, so we'll see how this goes. Episode 25, in the cards, Jake wants to give his father a present to cheer him up, you know, because he's been down. Uh, 1951 Willie Mays baseball card, but runs into complications with a mysterious geneticist, Dr. Geiger. Kai Wynn, worried over the prospect of a Federation Dominion War and its effects on Bajor, meets with the Dominion representative, Wayoon. Ill. Well, you know, this one is a see it for me. It's just an episode I enjoy. It's not high drama, but I appreciate the hoops that Jake has to go through to get his father a vintage baseball card, knowing Benjamin's love of baseball. Plus, Bajor signs a non-aggression pack with the Dominion. I have a feeling we're going to hear about that again pretty soon. And plus, this is one of the rare times in Star Trek where we get a serious and heavy B story in a humorous episode. It's not often that the humor is relegated to the A story position. So uh, I also think it is a decent pause and a, and a breath before a very heavy finale. So for me, Dan, it's a see it. I like uh, I like your description of why you gave it a see it, Bill. This one was really hard for me to decide on. I'm not going to lie, but I decided to go with it being a see it. I felt that the whole Dr. Geiger and the soulless minions of orthodoxy and that ridiculous Michael Jackson sleep chamber was just a little too much for um, a a series that is on the brink of war. Um, But the B story, like you said, Kai Wynn is at her evil best here meeting with Wayun. Um, I love one of the end scenes with Wayun and, and Nog and Jake and Kai Wynn. Uh, I think it was great. So I gave it a see it. I did. Haley. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me put a zero in this column, Dan. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, Haley, I think you're all set to, 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 
to call your skip uh, your skip it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a skip it. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and only just because the <sighs> Kai Wayne makes me crazy. Oh yeah. You know, and I appreciate that storyline. Like, I don't mind that one. But unfortunately, this whole Jake Nog storyline with the baseball card and trading this for this and this for this and this for this and this for this and this for this. And I'm just like, yeah, nope, I'm over this like five trades ago. Can we just get the dang baseball card and give it to his dad and move on? You know what I always wondered? Why didn't they just replicate a baseball card and not tell him it was replicated? I think he would have loved that anyway. Exactly. Rather than like the original one. Like, really? Yeah. Well, but I mean, why do some Star Trek collectors insist on collecting some really obscure things? You know, because that's more important than a Willie Mays baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is true. Wow. Dan. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in front of my shelf of stuff. <laughs> So, I mean, really. And none Dan, of it's replicated. Dan, the huge sports ball fan, doesn't understand why somebody would collect a sports ball card. Okay. I'm with you there. Uh, well, regarding in the cards in Camp Kittimer, 86%, almost 87 said that they would see this episode. Some people thought it was beautiful and funny. Must see. The must see thing kind of surprises me. And Dan, to counter your point, somebody said soulless minions of orthodoxy demand you see it. So really? see it. Yeah. Okay. All over the place. Everywhere. Up and down. Yeah. yeah. And his yeah. nightgown. What? <laughs> oh, childhood poetry. What is Sorry. wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. It's another episode around the favorite. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, we have made it to the end oh, of God. season five. Or, or you've made it to the end and survived the madness <laughs> that is Trek Geeks. Uh, episode 26, Call to Arms. Faced with the realization that the Dominion are taking over the Alpha Quadrant, Cisco decides to mine the entrance to the wormhole with self-replicating cloaked mines, thus beginning the Dominion War. Dan. Well, uh, I will be shocked. Well, you might have it as a skip it, but I'll be shocked if any other people have it as a skip it. This is a definite see it. It's a brilliant season finale. You know, the wormhole is mined and the Federation hightails it out of DS9. Jake is all grown up and stays behind. And we get to see for the first time on screen a massive armada of starships. And I think it works perfectly. It's a great finale to season five. It sets up an amazing season six. Bill, sorry, Kaylee and I were uh, were making fun of your massive comments. Um, I, I, this is an absolute see it for me. This finale really wow. is the perfect ending to one of the best seasons of Star Trek ever. It has everything, and it sets up a great deal for season six. And hey, look at that! That Bajoran non-aggression pact with the Dominion that I said might come into play comes into play. Like right the next episode, it's like I've seen it before. Um, I really enjoyed that. This is not a true cliffhanger in, in Deep Space Nine style. Um, but man, there is so much uncertainty when we get to the end of this um, that it, it it's it's one that makes you wish the summer would fly on by so that you could see how it resolves. So for me, Haley, it's a total see it. Uh, thanks, Dan, for answering my answer already. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I would never have talked to you again if you gave this one a skip. It. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Bill would have become my favorite. All right. Then. No. Yeah, this one is a see it for me. 
keep talking, Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is absolutely phenomenal. It's a, it's a definite see it. I mean, gosh, you know, with facing with the prospect of collapsing the mine or collapsing the wormhole or just somehow preventing more people from coming out and those self-replicating mines, I mean, go ROM. For mm. figuring that out. I mean, really, that the credit to that goes to Rom. I mean, absolutely just phenomenal. Hands down. Sorry, I had a plane going overhead. I agree with you 100%. Um, Cam Kittimer agrees with us to the tune of 97%. I'm guessing we had one lone skip it, um, which is fine. Um, but here's what uh, people say. Actually, no. Somebody didn't select, it's actually 100% because some person didn't select see it or skip it. They just made a comment. So 100% of people said that they would see it. Uh, nice. Minesweeper meets Star Trek, see it. Give mm -hmm. no quarter and take no bleep, see it. Mm. Uh, watch it or die, which is Whoa. the one that didn't select see it or skip it. And clever way to protect Bajor, see it. So 100% of people say the finale is worth watching. And uh, that's four times that's happened i think that's a record wow. for see it or skip it dan um, that's fantastic very exciting so uh Haley, one we have to yeah. thank you for shepherding us through this season are you interested in hearing percentages of how we did yeah definitely well i'm going to start with you Haley. um <laughs> oh dear you hit 13 of 26 for see it for a f even square on 50 percent of episodes so half the season you would leave by the wayside for un inex some inexplicable reason other wow. than you're a TNG fan who has a TOS podcast. <laughs> and now Dan's your favorite. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> the flip side of the coin, the two Deep Space Nine guys in this episode. Um, Dan, I'll start with you. You had 22 of 26 for 84.62%. That's a very mm -hmm. high showing. If I compare that to your last season, yeah. um, it's a little bit lower where you had 92%. Yep. I, however, on the other hand, had 23 of 26 for 88.46%. I think it's the first time I have given a season a higher rating than you. Yeah. Um, but we weren't far off. It's uh, no, one episode and, difference. And honestly, you know, there were four that I chose as skip it. Three out of those four could easily have been see it. Um, so it could have been much higher, but I went with my gut. Well, and your gut is never wrong, especially when it's hungry, Dan. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Haley, it was such a blast to have you on See It or Skip It. These are always fun episodes, and they're even more fun when we get to share them with dear friends. Uh, like yourself, you who have been a fan of Trek Geeks since the very beginning. And like Dan said, the creator of Trek Tuesday. So um, how may people find you on your very fine podcast, which Dan and I are also big fans of? Ah, well, thanks for having me. I mean, finally, really. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, for the record, you were on a Discovering Trek earlier this year. Yes, I I but, was, but not the flagship, and we understand. This is true. I was, and that was that was awesome. Um, yeah, no, you can uh, find me over on Trek FM Standard Orbit. We drop episodes every Monday talking about the original series, which is actually my second favorite. So, you know, it's enjoyable. I the like DS9, it. right? No, not the <laughs> DS9. <laughs> no. Dan, what a jerk. I love it. I just get to sit back and watch the fireworks ensue. Thank you. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to posit this question. Do you think you're going to have more 
see it as the last two seasons progress just because of the storylines. Dan, I'll let you go first. I got to say that I already know that I'm not going to say what season or what episodes, but I will have a few skip coming up um, because I don't agree with how a couple of things went with the final two seasons. When it comes to the Dominion War, oh my God, spectacular writing. My favorite part about Deep Space Nine. Um, but there are some things and some episodes that I just really don't think fit with the remaining two seasons. I think I'll have a couple of skip here and there, and I suspect they're going to be largely Ferengi episodes. But there are some really good ones in season six and seven. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, when you look at the last eight or nine episodes of season seven, it's all one story. Right. It's, it's an yeah. eight or nine part finale. And I can't envision myself having a skip it for any of those. Spoiler. Oh, alert. I'm sure. Ha- I'm sure Haley will have them, though. <laughs> I, in all honesty, I, you know, I'm just kidding and, and teasing you and having a good time. With it, but I, I am actually very surprised at the amount of skip that you had for season five. But, you know, like Bill said, you know, some people's favorite is some people's uh, least favorite. And I think it's I think it's OK. You know, you still get my you know, I got your props, girl. Well, and credit <laughs> where credit is due. That's the champion rule. And uh, mm-hmm. it invariably is correct. One hundred percent of the time. I mean, right. it has to be. It's the law of averages. So, uh, Haley, thank you so much again. And everybody go listen to her on Standard Orbit. She's a fine addition to that flagship podcast of Trek FM, or at least it always is in my opinion. It's the first Trek FM podcast I listened to before I was a podcaster, and uh, it's always in my regular rotation. So Haley, we love you, and uh, we'll have you back much sooner than we had you on for the first time. And Haley, I'm going to throw one more thing in there. Anybody who uh, is on Twitter, Haley is very active on Twitter with lots and lots of Trek discussion. So Haley, where can people find you on the Twitterverse? Yeah, you can find me at Trekkie01D. Nice. Well, I I echo Bill's comments. We loved having you on. We think you're fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and dealing with our craziness. And um, I can say that, uh, at least me, I don't know how Bill's going to be because, you know, it took him three years to get you on the show, but I want to have you on again. So there you go. Well, as the uh, (laughs) vice president of guest relations, Dan Davidson... (laughs) Um, considering it took you three years to get her on in the first place, let's see if you can uh, improve your score this time. I, I have to get permission from the executive producer for everything I need to do. So, and when those come back as a negative, I have to go with what you say. I'm sorry. That's, uh, not <laughs> never been remotely true. <laughs> that's correct. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, th- thank you guys for having me on. I mean, it's seriously so much fun. And considering that I can put up with you guys in Vegas for like five days straight, <laughs> Podcasting with you guys is just a treat. <laughs> or it's it touch and go, great. depending on how you look at it. <laughs> it is a well, piece of cellular peptide cake with mint frosting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really. Y'all, we live on separate ends of the continent at this point. The <laughs> podcasting with you guys is a joy because otherwise I don't see your lovely faces. Aw. So, Aww. much I just, love. I was just making a lovely face. Much love right back at you. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, Dan, we would be incredibly horrible Trek geeks if we didn't thank the five geeks that make up the band Five Year Mission for providing each and every note of music you hear on this podcast every single week. Five Year Mission is amazing. Their year four album is just lights out, man. It is fantastic from start to finish. And we are so grateful to them uh, that we get to use their music in every single episode of Trek Geeks. We want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net Get year four, get it in your ears one way or another, you know, either order the CD or download the digital files, put them on your device and 
just start listening. I guarantee you're going to become a big fan. We hear from people all the time, Dan, that tell us that they just started listening to Five Year Mission, mm-hmm. including Amy Nelson from Track FM. I know. Who just started. And 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 I bet you Deanna Troy could be listening to Five Year Mission when she's crashing the Enterprise. I bet you she wouldn't have crashed the Enterprise had she been listening to Five Year Mission. I know, right? Unbelievable. Well, uh, yes, they're fantastic. <laughs> so we want everyone at fiveyearmission.net. Get those tunes, yo. I'm telling you, you're going to be a huge fan. Yeah, I am I am definitely a huge fan, as you are, Bill, as so many people are. But I got to say, I was a little disappointed in the episode I watched this week. You know, I, yeah, I, I, really? I yeah, I for one always thought that his talents were natural talents. Playing those drums like an expert he was. Uh, and even his vocals were were the thing of legend. But I was... I was so disappointed and sad to discover, Bill, that it was all a farce. It was all fake and that he was genetically engineered to be the best drummer in the quadrant. Of course, I'm talking about that episode, Dr. Farkshear, I presume, which we actually had a discussion on sort of just a little while ago with with Haley. Um, No, don't. No, don't pass out, Bill. No, wake up. It's okay. I know. I I was shocked and I can tell that you're shocked. Genetically engineered drummer. Farkshear. I, out of 720 some odd hours of Star Trek, mm. that's what you brought to the table this week. Oh, it was, I only can, I only can say what my heart feels and I was disappointed. I, I, the takeaway here is that you believe you have a heart and that's so cute. Touche, touche, touche. So yes, that's a Dan's terrible Farkism aside. Uh, that's fiveyearmission.net. Please download all their albums. Dan, next week, we continue our year-long celebration of DS925, and we're going to tackle an incredibly tense episode that just has some really huge repercussions for the rest of the series. Yeah, that is, I think that's putting it, uh, that's, that's putting it lightly, man. And it's, it's a little bit of an understatement, but you're correct. Uh, we are going to tackle something big. We're going to get to see Ducat jump right off the deep end, way off, just woo, gone. Uh, woo, as he he and Cisco match wits and have one of the most intense and dramatic confrontations of all time on Deep Space Nine. It's season six's incredible episode waltz, and we break it down trek geek style next week on your independent star trek podcast you know it's one of those episodes that you've watched once and you realize how much it means for all of the characters involved Mm -hmm. and then to know that you know in hindsight it really does inform ducat and cisco for the rest of the series i'm really looking forward to talk about this one you know we did duet uh, just a little bit ago and now Mm -hmm. we're going to do waltz I can only hope that uh, that maybe after this we do something else musical, but that's do, that's at Waltz next week on on on, on Trek Geeks. <laughs> what is wrong with me today? I just that's keep what, just me. That's what happens when I take a day off. Dan, of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions. They're online at the TricorderTransmissions.com. So many podcasts. All of them fantastic. Mm-hmm. Everybody over there is a diehard Star Trek fan and they just want to share their love of star trek whether it's trek profiles trek ranks you know reading trek politrex weekly treks queer trek you name it all the treks over at tricoder transmission so please check them out and of course dan for all the news on all the star trek yo please visit our friends at treknews.net for now this has been episode 154 of the trek geeks podcast 
We do hope you all live long and prosper. Glory to you and your coconut. This is another one of those times I wish we had video so people could have seen your crazy eyes just now. That was that's pretty good. Gowron-ish? It's, it's almost very O'Reilly-ish, yeah. Excellent. I like that. Kabla! Ah. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! Bong to the bing to the B-I-G-ing. Bong. Bong. Bing. Bong. 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 It, it was quite. Who, it, it was Trek Geeks for the first time. This is perfectly normal. <laughs> perfectly normal and perfectly normal that we both did it at the exact same time the other day. Oh, I know, totally. <laughs> How you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? How's your day? It was long, but good. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing good. Doing good. Good. So I had today off, yeah, as you I know, know. Yeah, I know, and. I decided to go back and start watching the two seasons of The Walking Dead um, that I've missed since I broke up with the show. Okay. Because I know this is the final season for the Rick Grimes character. Mm -hmm. Andy Lincoln will be leaving the show. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, well, you know, I I left right when Negan was introduced. Let me go back. Because I do like like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's, he's He's fantastic. So I started watching it. And I picked up with actually episode two of that season because I remember the first episode, you know, yeah, with the deaths. yeah, yeah. And by the time I got to the end of episode four, because I gave myself a little mini marathon while I did laundry today. Okay. Is it wrong that I just wanted Negan to take over the world and just <laughs> get rid of everybody in Rick's camp and Alexandria? <laughs> I was just so I'm like, dude, just uh, stop. Stop crying. <laughs> Stop! I want Negan to just take out Lucille and just you know own the place. Well, I'll tell you Is what. That wrong? It's not wrong. I watched that season. I have not watched the subsequent season that took place. Um, so I'm a full season behind, and I don't even know if I'm going to watch this season with Rick's departure. I figured I'd go back because I'm curious to see what they how they wrap up his storyline. Yeah. See, it, it was really nice to see Shaniqua Martin Green today. Yes, yes, yes. I, I've I forgot how great she was in Walking Dead. Yeah, it's always a joy to see Shaniqua in something. Yeah, but uh, dude, that Tiger of King Ezekiel is the worst CGI I've ever seen. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because today I was I was doing something at lunch and I was I was on my iPad and there was something on Facebook I think about how Walking Dead Rick's final season. So yeah. I clicked on that link and it brought me to a page where they had video of I don't think you've seen it yet but there's a big battle at the end of the season that you're currently on I think. And they showed the behind the scenes of that battle and what they did and how they did the CGI and everything. And it was quite interesting to watch. Um, I don't remember the CGI of the tiger being 
as that bad as you're as you're describing when we first met him in that like auditorium, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, it was. Um, but uh, you will be seeing more of 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 the tiger. I like to call him Tony the Tiger because he's great. You're great. Yeah, your face is great. Um, but uh, I. Um, yeah, I, I like the days of The Walking Dead when it was about staying alive from the walkers and not the other horrible human beings that are still left on the planet. So you mean like when it became a soap opera? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I'm. I'm. I, I guess I, I'll get through that because I want to see what happens to Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Lincoln has been fantastic on that show from yes. the start. Yep. Um, they've asked him to do a lot as far as you know where they've taken that character and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character's been through hell and back, so I'm curious to see um, how he meets his end, as it were. I mean, I have to assume he's going to. Everybody dies, right? I have to right. assume he's going to die, right? Coral, <laughs> coral, coral. Yeah, I, maybe I'll pick it up and see how it ends. I know that Sue will not be watching it again after that episode with ne- the first Negan, uh, with what happened. Um, yeah, with Abraham, Abraham and, and Glenn. And Glenn, she she done. So I'll pick it up at some point. It is on the on the net of flixes. It is, uh, yeah. They just added uh, another season, so the probably the season I missed is now there, if it not is. more than that. Okay, um, we've been watching Longmire. We just watched a Longmire before I came up to record. Oh my god! How far are you in the season? Season six, episode four. Peter Weller is magnificent in this show. I love him to death, and he actually directed this episode that we just watched, which is yep. very Lucian centric so uh it was a great very, episode yeah very we just uh we're going back and catching up on justified which is a show that i have always loved mm-hmm. but we never finished yeah. i'm a huge timothy oliphant fan yes and we've talked about this uh, as far as santa clarita diet which he's yum, hilarious yum. very 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 funny but he is just badass and justified man yeah he's fantastic I'll have so. to check it out have to check it out it'll only take you a couple of years because it's about how long it took you to watch Step Brothers. Well, yeah, but it might be different because now I trust your recommendations because of Step Brothers. Dude, at that point, I'd known you for like 20 years. You didn't trust my recommendations then? I don't think you gave me any recommendations then. Uh, I'm sure I gave you plenty of recommendations. Uh, in fact, know. I recommended Step Brothers for a year before I actually just broke down and bought you the DVD and sent it to you. Well, I appreciate it. My, my plan worked. I didn't have to pay for it. Now I got a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I had dropped your enterprise again while I was at your house the other night, you jerk. <laughs> I know that was funny. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yes. Fun times, fun times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good times. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta try to figure out what to watch next because we just finished the crown season two. We're wrapping up Longmire, which we love. Um, she won't watch sons of anarchy. She won't watch law. She won't watch breaking bad. Um, so we're going to have to figure out something else. She did talk about Jessica Jones. And so we might check that one out. Did you watch lost in space? The movie or the show? Oh, we started the series. No, That's watch right. the series. Have to go back. We watched the first episode and a half, maybe, and I completely forgot about it. We did like it. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. See, yeah. you're very hey, helpful. This is why I'm here. That's about it. I'm here. What? Hi. What? I, I, what? 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 <laughs> the what? The what? These <laughs> are not dangerous. Hey, there you go. Nice job. Hey, put those fingers away. <laughs> you got a double triple from me. <laughs> fingers are not dangerous. <laughs> they are, especially when I gouge your eyeballs out with them. Wow, very nice. I like that. Okay, <laughs> you have issues. I uh, you- 
at the end of the day today, I did rewatch the season two discovery trailer that came out this past weekend. Oh, my God. Can I, can I just say that um, I think they have amplified the hype for the forthcoming season by a factor of at least 10 wow. compared to a year ago. Yeah. That was, it was wow. I mean, it's just, it looks fantastic. looks absolutely fantastic. I don't know how anyone can look at that and say Discovery is not Star Trek. It's just, it's not possible. Because they're the keepers of the gate. No, but I just mean, you know, just looking at their most simplest oh, of arguments. Mm-hmm. Anybody who looks at that and says it's not Star Trek needs to have their head examined. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be freaking great. We get to see Saru without a shirt on, and he's got all kinds of alien stuff on him. Because he's an alien. Right, 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 right. That. that is funny. <laughs> you ready yeah. to do this there, jerk face? I am ready. Let's do this. Are, are you the red angel? I uh, am going to be your red angel because I'm going to have blood coming down your forehead into your eyes when I'm done with Whoa, you. Oh, this took a, a serious turn. You, you were just talking about gouging my eyes out. That's nice, though. <laughs> wow. Let's so you don't have to see my face. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, all right, then. I appreciate it. Gouge away. (laughs) Shut up and read. Coconut!